Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we're hearing a message from our series entitled Filter. Whether or not we are aware of it, our beliefs color the way we view reality. They set our priorities, make our decisions, and determine our outcomes. At Meadowbrook, we believe the best outcomes stem from having a biblical worldview. And amen. Help me welcome our internet audience, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. So glad you're all with us today. And we're believing for an awesome uh, day today. We've already had a good morning. Amen. As Pastor Ryan said, um, we want everybody to go through growth track. If you've not been through that, we, um, it's every month during second and third service. And um, so during third, if you haven't been, it'd be a great time for you uh, to go through there. And they give you snacks. Okay. <laughs> And um, today is week one of that, it's Growth Track 101, so it'll be a good time to hop in there. Also, want to remind you that um, if you have version on a smartphone or a tablet, you can follow along today if you just go to the, uh, it's a free app, it's probably the most downloaded app that there is, and um, on the front, on the homepage of that, if you tap the bottom right corner, there's three little lines, and it will take you to the second page, and it has um, events, and if you tap on that, will come up because of location, you'll be right here, and my notes and scriptures are there, you can follow along, you can save that, you can share that as well, you can add notes to it, and it's a wonderful way to leverage technology and follow along, and so, and then I, um, I'm old school as well, and I believe everybody should have a Bible, and in particular, we're talking about having a biblical worldview, and I think the starting place of having a biblical worldview is having a Bible, Okay, And if you don't have a Bible, can't afford one or whatever, um, we are glad to supply you with a Bible. And we have some racks of Bibles that you can uh, get one on the way out. And I'm not joking when I say this. If you pick up one every week, please bring, bring some back, okay? And um, don't, don't be a Bible hoarder, okay? And um, make sure that we have those. Amen. All right, well, we're going to dive in. Um, part five here of our series called Filter. And I just want to review real quickly, everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a way, a, a lens, a filter, so to speak, in which they view life, that they make estimates of, of what reality is, that they, they determine you know, how they're going to um, make decisions, set priorities, and that type of thing. We're using the analogy of a filter or a lens, so to speak, like you'd have on a camera. We have these pictures here to show you again. And so when you look through those, those lenses or filters, it, it, it shows, uh, de- depending on the filter you have, the lens that you have, it affects how you see things. It can clarify them. It can change the color, so to speak. And um, if something happens to that lens, if, if perhaps it gets shattered or broken, then that can greatly distort how you see things um, in life. And so sometimes people are seeing things different than you. And I want to encourage you with this. And don't, don't hear this as being soft on anything. This is to help you to, to understand some things. Sometimes when somebody does not see things the way that you see them, don't you immediately shun them 
or declare them to be bad, just realize they're looking at things through a different lens, a different filter. They have a different worldview. There's a reason for that. It has to do with their story and how they arrived at that. Now, the bad part of that is all ideas have consequences. See, how you see yourself, how you see the world around you determines, don't, don't miss this, it determines the direction of your life, the quality of your life, and ultimately the destiny of your life. And so what we want to make sure is that we're clear on how we view things, you know. And we believe that a biblical worldview is, is the best view to have. And that's why we're spending six weeks on this again so that we can kind of see how this works. Now, we believe that a biblical worldview, with a biblical worldview, you see better. And when you see better, you can choose better. And when you choose better, you can live better. How many of you are at that place in life or beyond that place in life where you require some glasses? You know, and it's like for everything, you know. How many of you ladies need glasses to put on your eye makeup, you know? And so, you know, I bought my wife. She's not here this service. She'll be here next service, so I probably won't tell this next service. But one of those magnifying mirrors with the, with the light, you know, so she can without her glasses, be able to do eye makeup and so forth. And, and like trimming my beard or something, I'm like off and on with these things just to try to, to make it all work. But when you see better, you can choose better. You know, there's just some things I just can't do without, out, without my glasses. And, and uh, like reading would be one of them, you know. And there's just so many, so many different things. And if we endeavor or attempt to do life and we're not seeing things clearly, I doubt we're going to be choosing correctly, and consequently, we're going to have consequences in our life. So if you can see better, you can choose better, and then ultimately, you can live better. We believe that a, a biblical worldview gives meaning, it gives clarity, it gives purpose, it gives you a moral f- uh, framework so that you can have an abundant life and a, a, an eternal life. Nothing else promises that. And then I believe this also, it gives you the best chance, nothing else will give you the be- this kind of opportunity to be able to be happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed so that you can be a blessing and ultimately bring glory to God. And I don't think there's anything on the planet that does that except for a biblical worldview. Can I get an ouch, an amen, or something out of that today? Now, as with all worldviews, again, how you see things, um, at, that plays into what you believe. So I want to get this principle out in front of us again. What you believe governs your life. Would you read that with me? What you believe governs your life. No matter what your worldview would be, what you believe governs your life. And this is very, very important because ultimately it is going to impact your outcomes, Okay. So what you believe governs your life. Now follow this. And then your beliefs affect your behavior. And your behavior determines your outcomes. And so on, on, uh, on the beginning of it all, a person can believe something and it starts to impact their behavior. And it may not have much consequence at that place. But ultimately, it's going to impact outcomes. And that's where it gets kind of dangerous. And so what you believe is very, very important because it is going to impact quality, direction, and destiny of life. So what you believe governs your life. 
um, then your beliefs affect your behavior, and your behavior determines your outcome. So this is a very, very important thing. So we're going to continue to look at a biblical worldview. And what we do with a biblical worldview is we actually follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. Look with me, if you will, in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. It says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk or to live just as he walked or lived. Then we see in the Psalms, in Psalm 85, 13, righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. His footsteps our pathway. And so Jesus modeled for us how to live in a broken, fallen, hurting world. When Jesus came into the world, you ready for this? When Jesus came into the world, it was pre-Christian. Think about it. It had to be. So he didn't receive the warm reception. There was great resistance to that. And like it or not, in this subject for another day, we're in a world that is now post-Christian. You know, in the influence of Christianity, we've lost a whole lot of ground, okay? And um, you don't have to look very far. You don't have to read very far. You don't... You, you just need to look around a little bit and see that things have drastically changed. And, and uh, uh, Christianity does not have the place that it once did. Now, we are not going to be the sad sack tail, tail draggers, though, okay? Because we understand that as da- the darker that the world would get, the brighter the things will be, the brighter the glory of God will be upon the children of God. Are you all are y'all with me? And we're going to continue to do some teaching along this line so you can see that even no matter what is going on in the world, God's got it all covered already, okay? And God knows how to take care of his children. Well, with a biblical worldview, even though a biblical worldview would, would in a lot of circles not be popular, that, does, that is no reason that you would back away from a biblical worldview. Because if you can see better, you can choose better. If you choose better, you can live better. Are you all even here? Okay. All right. So Jesus modeled for us how to walk, how to live in a world that is broken, that is dark, that is fallen. And what we're going to do over these next two weeks is not, is not just um, this is a, world, a biblical worldview and this is a biblical worldview. We want to find out how to live it, how to walk it out. Um, what does it mean really to walk that out? And so we're going to take 10 values this week and next week. Um, today we're going to take five that would be kind of root issues. Next week we'll take five that would be like fruit issues. Um, as I said, I've got surgery tomorrow morning, so I'm going to do five this week. Um, it's outpatient. It shouldn't be that involved. But just in case, I'm not, I'm not planning on preaching next week. Pastor Lee's going to do that. He's going to close out this series next week. Got all bases covered that way. And he's going to close out this series and do a, uh, just a grand slam on, on that end of it all as we close out this series on Filter, okay? All right. So let's go ahead and start t- today with this. How do we walk this out of biblical worldview? We live, first of all, we live with discernment. Everybody say, live with discernment. These are all based on direct quotes from Jesus, all 10 of these this week and next week. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The problem with a lot of believers is they believe just about anything. 
There are a lot of believers that are actually gullible. Now, we, we fight that quite a bit here because I, I don't want you to just be um, gullible. A lot of Christians, a lot of believers get sucked in by a lot of, a lot of things. Um, trends, fads, conspiracy theories, anything on the Internet. I've had people say, well, I read it on the Internet. It's got to be true. Multi-level this and that, talk shows, media, peers, and so on and so forth. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, in the message it says, So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. We've got to think about things. Everybody say, think about it. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, You're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? With all your mind. And that word in the Greek, it actually means to exercise the mind with deep thought. We need to be thinkers. We need to think about things. We need to weigh things. We need to check some things out and evaluate things. Further, we need to listen, and we need to listen on the inside. We've got the book of truth, but we also have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And part of what he will do is to guide us into all truth. If he will guide us into truth, he will also guide us out of error. And what we have to do is, is live with some discernment and not just, you know, follow just anywhere, anything. Um, one of the most used phrases that Jesus used in the Gospels was, watch out and beware. And so even like with food, how many of you, you know, you kind of check out your food? You know, if your lunch meat is kind of green, how many of you know you want to? So if it looks green, then next, what's the next thing you're going to do? You're going to, well, throw it away, yeah. But if you're a cheapskate, then you're going to smell it, right? Looks green, smells bad, but I'm just going to cut off this part. No, no, you, be, you, better, you better chunk it, you know, you better get, you better get rid of it, so... And if it's dinner on the grounds, you know, and you're looking at all this, you want to know who cooked this, where is it from, what kitchen was this from? You know, and we're, we need to be discerning with other things. Let me caution you even with like Christian television. You know, just because something's on Christian television, don't swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Are you, are you all with me? And just because somebody has the little Christian fish on their business card doesn't mean they're going to treat you with integrity. Have some discernment. I cannot tell you the number of people that, that have made decisions and I've thought, no, 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 don't do that. And they come back later and they said, something didn't seem right. Something didn't feel right. And you know, right, if it's not quiet, it's not right. And we, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We have the book of truth to help us. And we need to, with a biblical worldview, we need to be people that walk and live with discernment that helps us to detect error. Detect error, which will preserve your spiritual life, health, and future. Can I get an amen? amen? Secondly, with a biblical worldview, to walk that out, we live, we live with integrity. You skipped one for me here. Live with integrity. Live with integrity. There it is. Live with integrity. Integrity is more than just telling the truth and not stealing stuff. Okay? Integrity has to do with being whole, being all together, integrated, not compartmentalized. It's like a whole number, not fractioned. You know, it's not a fraction of itself. It's a complete thing of itself. It's to be the same. 
Get this. It's to be the same wherever you are, whatever you're doing. It's to be the same wherever you are. To be the same at work as you are at home, as you are at church, as you are as you're playing golf or wherever you would be. As you're out of town or in town or in front of your wife or husband, as you are anywhere else, it is to be the same. That's what integrity is. Are you all with me? There's a thing called the Titanic myth. And when they built the Titanic, how many of you know that you can't get tickets for that thing anymore? (laughs) They built the whole of that thing and they compartmentalized it. And their view was that if we got a hole in the hole that it would not sink because it would just affect that compartment and they were so wrong and a 12 square inch hole sunk that 90 90 uh 90 ton vessel went down because of a 12 square inch hole they were wrong and let me tell you something if one compartment of your life can sink the other compartments of your life listen you, you get off in one area of your life, don't think that it won't impact the other areas of your life. And I've watched people, their life go shipwrecked, so to speak, because they think, you know, I'll leave family over here and I'll leave business over here, but I've got this other area of my life and they compromise in that area. And I'm telling you, that area of their life will, you compromise there, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect this area. Eventually it will affect this area and you're going down, you're going down. And so what we've got to do is make sure that we are whole, that we don't have our life compartmentalized like that, but that we make sure that we have integrity in our life. A hole in one area will sink another area. We've got to get our life together, keep our life together, have integrity in our life. Can I get an amen? In Luke chapter 11, verse 36, Jesus said, if you're filled with light, that's the goal, filled with light with no dark corners... Then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Number three, live with humility. Live with humility. This is often misunderstood, this word humility. Um, As false modesty or you've got to be quiet and reserved or denying accomplishments or strengths. Or some people think that humility means poor posture. But humility just means this. You're depending more on God than you're depending on yourself or anything else. It's to acknowledge your source. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 in the New Living, it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so the two greatest causes of stress in in, in life, you ready for this? Number one is trying to control things that you can't such as the weather or your spouse. You know, when you try to control things that you can't, and then secondly would be this, greatest cause of stress is lack of trust in God. I shared with you earlier in this series that most stress in life comes when we forget that God is God and we're not. And so trust leads to rest. And that's what humility is, is that we're trusting God more than we're trusting ourselves. Trust leads to rest. And let me tell you this, humility releases grace. In the book of James, it says this, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility releases grace. Say that with me. Humility releases grace. When you'll humble yourself, God will bring his grace that will help you. 
The Bible repeatedly tells us that God hates arrogance. He hates pride. He, hates the, he even hates a proud look. He hates arrogant look on our face and eyes. My mom used to tell me, get that look off your face. <laughs> She'd hold me by the chin. Get that look. And, and I want to I grab the faces of guys in the NBA. Seriously, our sports culture is teaching our young men and women a wrong thing. God hates a proud look. He hates proud eyes even, a haughty eyes. God hates it. Listen, if you make a good shot, thank God you had arms. Instead of, you know. God hates it. My mom's in heaven working for God now. And she's saying, get that look off your face. I don't know why my mom said like she had a Brooklyn accent now, but she, she doesn't. But anyway, humility, everybody see humility. You just walk in a trust in God because of a biblical worldview. Amen. Number four, and you probably already knew this one, but live with simplicity. It's total opposite of our culture. Our culture is all about stuff and pace. More stuff and go faster. We've got stuff fever and we've got hurry sickness. Look in Mark chapter 4 verse 19 in the message. But are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. We've got to have more and more more and more. And then this hurry sickness, we feel chronically short of time just all the time. How many of you have done this before? In the microwave, you punched in 38 seconds instead of 40. You know, we do it. We're trying to rush the microwave. And then we crowd our life, too. We crowd our life with, instead of having a hobby, we have four hobbies. And then our poor children, not only do they have school, we sign them up for everything. Because we're not going to be outdone. So they have ballet and they have soccer and they have karate. And we make them volunteer at the hospital. And then they got homework and you're going to youth group so you don't go to hell. And we got all this stuff going on. And they got chores. They got all these things going on. And we crowd their life and we crowd our life so much. And when we, and when we crowd our life like, like that, we don't have simplicity. And when we live that way, we tend to make the things of God optional. And I think all of us need to slow down a little bit and find out what did God create me to do? What are my giftings? What are my passions? What are the main things that I am to be about? And try to discover that as early as we can in the life of our children and nurture that and cheer that on instead of just spreading ourselves far and wide. And if I'm in your business today, howdy. (laughs) Amen. But without simplicity... The things of God become optional to us. We just get too busy. And then we have too much stuff. I I bought a new phone the other day. It was time to buy a new phone. Mine was acting up. It it wouldn't hold a charge and all of those things. And I had a lot of other excuses too why it was time to buy a new phone. (laughs) And then when you get the phone, then you got to get the case. And then you got to get the apps and you got to do all this and you got to do all that. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. And would you like to get this? And would you like to get that? And it just goes on and on and just stuff, 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 stuff. And how many of you know that every show you watch is interrupted with, we want to sell you more stuff. 
And you don't go to the mall just to go to the mall. You go to the mall. And, and, and there's some stores you go in, you can't come out without spending 50 bucks. 50 bucks you didn't have to spend. You know, and it's just stuff, 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 stuff. And we, of all cultures, are too stuff-oriented. I want you to see something real quick. First Samuel. Let's read this real quick. After the Philistines captured the Ark of God, this is the Ark of the Covenant. It contained actually some of the presence of God. They took it from the battleground. The, the enemy has now captured the, the Ark of the Covenant. They took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon, who is the fish god, a carved wooden fish god, had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again because he couldn't get back up on his own. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord. Read it. Again. This time his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. Let let me tell you, when you try to just bring a little Jesus and put it in the midst of your stuff, something's going to happen to your stuff, okay? And, And listen, Jesus... Jesus is not an additive to your life. Jesus is Lord. And don't just try to add a little Jesus into your life and hope you get better mileage or whiter teeth or something like that. Jesus is not an additive. Jesus is Lord. And you need to simplify your life in this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else, I'm paraphrasing, everything else will kind of find its rightful place. But our lives are too fast and they're too cluttered. And we need to live with simplicity and get back to getting Jesus as Lord. Get him in the place that he rightfully belongs in our life. Could I get an amen on that? And then real quick, number five. In a biblical worldview, we live with possibility. Look in Matthew chapter 19. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, help me. All things are possible. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to them, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You need to live with hope. You need to live with faith. You need to live with possibility no matter what is going on in the news. Can I tell you the greatest sin? The greatest sin is unbelief. You need to shun it. You need to push it away. You need to resist it. And you need to be careful because the culture that we live in today will keep trying to bump you over into the unbelief line. And you need to say, no, no, this is not the line that I want to be in. You want to make sure that you're living with possibility and with hope and with faith. You need to believe God. I don't care what your situation is. Just say, I believe God and live with the possibility that God is able to help you. And I'm telling you what, he'll work, he'll work some things out for you in supernatural and unexplainable ways. In Psalm 121, verse 2, it says this, My help comes from the Lord. David said that because of this next phrase, which is proof that David had a biblical worldview. Because all biblical worldviews begin with origin. Origin. Look at the origin. The Lord who made heaven and earth. David had that settled, who made heaven and earth. 
The Lord made heaven and earth. Out of that, he was able to say, my help comes from the Lord. If you don't have this settled, you don't have help. Then in the book of Jeremiah, and I'm about to close with this, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, it says, Ah, Lord God. Everybody, what's that? Ah. You know, y'all did ah like somebody scratching your back. It's like, <laughs> ah. No, this is, this is like, ah. It's like dawning on him. He gets it. Ah, Lord God. Behold. I mean, he's, wow. Behold. Watch this. He's got a, he's got a biblical worldview here. You have made you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And here's his conclusion. You ready? Here's the conclusion. There's nothing too hard for you. And with a biblical worldview, I don't care what's going on, if you'll get everything else settled, that you made the heavens, you made the earth. Here's my conclusion. Nothing's too hard for you. I said, nothing's too hard for you. So, when you have a biblical worldview, you live with possibility. I don't care what's going on in the news, at your house, down the street, on the other end of the phone, whatever. You live with possibility because you know, you know, God made heaven, God made earth. If he made heaven and earth, if he did that, he can help me in my deal. Yeah, but these people are not playing fair. God, there's nothing too hard for him. Yeah, but this is happening and that's happening. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Get that in your heart. Get that in your eyes. Get that in your mouth. Get that in your step. Get that in your stance. Just know this. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And live with that kind of possibility. When you have a biblical worldview, you live with discernment, you live with integrity, you live with humility, you live with simplicity, you live with possibility. It's the best way to see. It's the best way to choose. It's the best way to live. It's the best way to die. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala.